Welcome to the Big Ticket Clients Podcast, where we feature expert thought leaders and cover the best strategies, stories, and psychology you need to land big ticket clients. Because as you know, you can't catch a whale with a worm. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pillay with Big Ticket Clients, and it's my pleasure to introduce Ruben Swartz to you today. Ruben, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. I know. And you know what's interesting? I, it was just such a pleasure for me to realize that we are both in Austin. <laughs> I know. I don't know why we're even doing this over video technology, but maybe... You know, someday I'll have you on Sales for Nerds. I'll bring some wine to your office and you can show me your whole recording studio setup and all that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Ruben, you are a fascinating gentleman. You have done so much. I don't even know where to start, but I'm going to start with one question for you. You are a guy who has clients as big as Dell, clients like GE and AMD, and you have developed software that is solving some massive, you know, customer relationship, uh, you know, problems. How exactly did you get here, Ruben? And how come, how come I never heard of you until we're doing this, right? I mean, where did you come from and how did you achieve so much success, Ruben? Well, there's a lot of existential questions there and <laughs> I'm not exactly sure where to start. Um, you know, I, I kind of, my, my outer loop, if you will, is I wake up in the morning and I try to be helpful to people and I go to bed and the next day I do the same thing again. And it, it kind of leads me to all these interesting places. I remember when I was in college, people would always ask in job interviews, like, where do you see yourself in five years? Mm-hmm. And I, I was pretty dumb and naive, but I knew enough to say, Hey, if I can envision where I am in five years, I haven't done enough and learned enough interesting stuff in the intervening five years, right? I want to be somewhere I couldn't even predict. And sure enough, I've been really good at that. And it, maybe it's just that I'm really bad at prediction. That that could also be part of it, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it's not that I have these interesting adventures. I just can't see anything. But I was a technical guy coming out of college. I went to work as a software developer. I had no interest in working directly with clients or, you know, wearing closed toed shoes or coming to the office at a reasonable hour. <laughs> and after a while, I realized that actually the software, as much as I wanted to think of it as being really complicated and, and hard and all that, that was actually the easy part of the problem. The hard part of the problem was how do you actually use this to make people's lives better? Mm. Especially when you have these big organizations, right? The big ticket clients. They have really complicated organizational dynamics. They can't change really quickly. Mm-hmm. You have to make it easy for them. That's where the actual interesting stuff happens, right? It's like you have to have the tools to facilitate the strategy and the process, but you can't just slap a tool on the bad process. And you have to make sure that different groups that might have different alignments come together and so on. So I was lucky enough to to have this sort of niche in in helping these companies with their sales and marketing, especially with their pricing. And so people would ask about, you know, we need someone to help us with this and we don't want to spend 10 million on McKinsey. Who can we get a little bit cheaper? Um, And my name would come up from time to time. And it got to the point where, you know, I could hire some people and and we got some some good referral business and good word of mouth, which was really good because I couldn't do anything else. It was like, I I didn't know how to do anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel like we were really good at helping our clients solve our problems. And the irony is these were sales and marketing problems and we were so bad at sales and marketing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was crazy. You know, you know, it's interesting. Um, I want to hear more about sort of that becoming story. I love how you said, uh, you, you would, uh, you would not necessarily want to come to work on time. I mean, that I remember a long time ago, I had that same kind of challenge. In fact, I told a boss once, he said, you got to be here at eight o'clock. I said, uh, 
eight o'clock, schmade o'clock. Okay. It's about <laughs> results and I'll deliver. You know, <laughs> I didn't stay at that job very long. <laughs> but tell, tell us a little bit about how you learned the hard way through being the software guy. And, you know, just tell us, how did you learn that you needed to actually provide solutions and you could do it yourself and you could build your own entrepreneurial uh, venture? What made you cross that sort of chasm, if you will? Well, it was a long and painful process looking back on it. And there are a lot of things that are obvious in hindsight that were not obvious to me at the time. And so my mission since then, since I've you know had kids and stopped traveling and built the CRM and so on, it's like, how do I help people go through all that the easy way instead of the way I went through it? Mm-hmm. And I think part of the challenge is I thought I had to be like a typical salesperson. So I bought all these books about sales mm-hmm. and they were really aimed at you know, you're the new sales rep at IBM or something like that. Mm-hmm. They were not aimed at you're a guy maybe by yourself or with a really small team that's, that's supposed to be the entire opposite of the IBM sales force. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would try with my website and my sales decks and this, that, and the other thing to look like these giant companies mm-hmm. and to sell like these giant companies. And I'd have my sales process checklist and all that stuff. It didn't work very well for obvious reasons in hindsight, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing that was sad was the folks who wanted to hire the IBMs of the world, and there were co- there were companies that said, hey, we like you and all that, but we need a company that can put 20 people here next week, and you don't have that. Yeah. Like, okay, great. They want that. But the companies that wanted, no, we need three people who really know what they're doing because we've just spent six months and a million dollars, and we haven't got what we need done, and we hear that you can get this stuff done, right? They don't want us to look like... IBM. They want us to look like a small group of special forces or whatever who can go solve their problem. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about that is suddenly you're not talking like a used car salesman to a sucker on the lot, mm-hmm. right? You're talking like a doctor to a patient and you're just there trying to help them figure out what their problem is and what their next steps are. And you've seen it and you can help. And you can just, I think the nice thing was for me, it's like, I like helping. Mm-hmm. I don't like selling. Mm. And it took me a while to understand that distinction. Mm-hmm. But I, I like helping people all day. And I think a lot of sort of introverted coaching, service-oriented people really like helping mm-hmm. and are uncomfortable selling. I'm like, just stop <clears throat> selling and your sales will actually go up. Yeah, But you have to help and you have to have some structure behind it. Otherwise, you'll just end up helping people without actually helping them really take the the action that they need to get where they need to go. Mm-hmm. No, that that's some powerful stuff. I like how you say that you like helping, you don't like selling. And and the the the, the paradox here is that uh helping is what works and right. selling, selling, you know, obvious selling is what doesn't work. But you know, um so let's fast forward to today. Tell us a little bit about the kinds of customers that you work with the kinds of problems that they tend to have when they first come into the story of Ruben Swartz. And tell us about your product, your company. Let's, I want to get a sense of who you're serving and how. Sure. So I think in some ways I am customer number one for my product. I basically <laughs> built, I call it the CRM for people who hate selling. Uh, yeah. Like that's literally what it is. It's like, I want to grow my business. I want to do interesting work. I want to make more money. I want to help more people, but I don't want to be selling I don't want to be a sleazy marketer. And the other thing that I think is important is these folks don't have time. And, you know, I never said, again, like I said, I, I don't know where I'm going. I'm not a very good at being a visionary. I never would have ever set out to create a CRM, right? I've used Salesforce. I've used all these other tools. And the problem I have with most of them is they're designed for a sales team that's selling all the time. 
And that's fantastic. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's a great business for them. But if you're a coach or you've got a small consulting shop and you're spending most of your time with clients, you need a way to do those sales and marketing activities and have stuff happen a lot of times without your direct intervention or to facilitate when you're involved, leveraging your time as much as possible. And so my whole thought is how do we create a tool that helps people who need to grow, want want to do more interesting work, want to make more money, but they don't want to sell. Mm -hmm. They want to help. They want to teach, right? I think of it as we're not going to do marketing. We're going to do teaching mm-hmm. and we're not going to do selling. We're going to do helping. Mm-hmm. And in that process, we're going to attract the right people so that we can do our highest work, get paid well, make a big impact, feel good and make the cycle a virtuous cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, that is really powerful, Ruben. Most of the CRM software that you are probably in direct com- competition with, um, they, they only provide a tool and they say, go for it, Right. Most of us have to learn to do what you're saying, which is how do we use these tools to educate, maybe entertain, but not be so salesy? How does your tool um, sort of help people do it right? right? Sure. Do you provide services that support that training or is it built into the software itself? Well, there's a combination of things and different people, depending on where they are, are going to require different levels of handholding. Mm-hmm. And my general view, right, as someone who wants to help is let's figure out what you need. Mm-hmm. Which parts are you covering? Which parts might I be covering? Which parts might you have, say, your web person be covering? And that make, that way we make sure we have the whole bridge built across the chasm. Mm-hmm. And it's not important to me which parts I do and which parts you do, as long as you make it where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So I think the first big differentiator with my tool is I want to make sure that it's effective at getting leads off your website into your inbox, basically. Mm-hmm. Right? This is a problem that everyone has. And Back when my tool was just about proposal automation, I had a customer say to me, hey, this is great. Proposals are rocking. They're no longer a bottleneck in my business. I need a way to get more leads in the front door. Mm -hmm. What can you do? And I never intended to put that in my tool. I was going to just refer them to a WordPress plugin or something. Mm -hmm. But I realized when I went looking that the WordPress plugins are designed either for fully automated e-commerce type sales where you don't actually talk to people Mm -hmm. or they're designed for a sales team where you've got people pounding the phones all day. They're not designed for these small or solo type firms where sales time is really precious. So I didn't Mm want to just send a PDF and say, good luck. Yep. I wanted to know if somebody's because probably I'm in a client meeting at that point. And by the time I get to call them back that evening, they're gone, they're ghost. But if I can know that they're reading it again next week, Mm -hmm. which I already knew was super valuable from the proposal automation piece. Now I have another chance to call them. If I can go look and see this person's looked at this five times, Mm -hmm. They're a hot prospect. Let me make sure that I follow up with them. I don't necessarily have time to make 150 dials a day, but I can call five or 10 people and I want to make sure I'm using those dials wisely, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? That didn't exist as far as I could tell, at least not an affordable, easy price point for these small firms. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, wait a second. I've already got the ability via the proposal automation to say, let's create content. Let's share it online. Let's notify people when somebody's reading it. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so- I was like, well, let's make it real easy to stick a button on a website and request that. And I didn't want to do a form on the website because people tune out the forums, but you can just stick a button there. And now you've got a lead magnet, incoming mechanism to bring leads in while you're doing other stuff. Absolutely. You know, I, I see your website here. Uh, pronounce this for me. Is it, <laughs> is it Mimiran? Mimiran, yeah. Okay. See, I was, I'm, I just didn't want to get that wrong, but Mimiran, uh, 
you know, your simple CRM for people who love to serve clients but hate selling. I can't tell you how cool and powerful that marketing slogan is. The simple CRM for people who love to serve clients but hate selling. Tell us a little bit about the 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 actual mechanism. So you first you you help people capture leads, you right. add things on the website, and then you help them grow sales conversations, and then you help them get the clients and keep them over time with email, right? Well, there's so the first step, right, is let's let's turn visitors into leads. Uh-huh. Because most most people are doing a really bad job at this. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that with all the love in the world because I did a bad job with it for a really long time. And yep. uh, you know, it wasn't until people started coming to me asking for help with that, that I could kind of see the forest for the trees mm-hmm. and say, Hey, we've got to make this about serving the clients. There's way too much narcissism on our websites. Mm. Let's make it about them and their story so that they want to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Then the next part. And I think where, you know, what I do is different than a lot of the sort of the web lead gen stuff is my clients need to have a conversation with, with their prospects. Mm-hmm. And so how do we make it easy to facilitate that conversation? Part of it is the notifications. Mm -hmm. Part of it is there's a bunch of of stuff built in there to make it really easy to like go through and say, Hey, I want to call all my overdue contacts today. Mm -hmm. You know, I can just pull it up instead of wasting time on the internet on my phone. I can actually go follow up with a few people and then it will automatically set the next date that I should call them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause that was something I struggled with when I was still using Mimarin in conjunction with a sort of more traditional CRM. Mm -hmm. Uh, you have to go manually set when you're going to talk to someone next. And then, you know, every once in a while you'd forget to go and make those clicks. And the next thing you know, it falls off your to-do list and you drop that ball. Mm. I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to make it dead simple to just keep me on a cadence of calling people. Nice. And the thing that's weird for me as an introvert is I actually started to really enjoy this. (laughs) Like I did used to do everything I could to avoid calling people. Mm -hmm. And now I love it. It's been so good not just for business, but for kind of life and connection and just feeling like your, your social fabric is stronger. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm obviously I have to call prospects and do all that sales stuff, but it's like, I've also just got this cadence of, I need to call people and just say, Hey, what's up? We haven't talked in a while. Mm. And it's made my life so much richer. And I like to think it's helped other people that I've been able to make introductions for and so on. So all that is built in as well. And then, of course, if you have a good conversation, there's a bunch of cool proposal automation features in there all the way through to e-signature. Mm-hmm. And then something that I think is really interesting, and I'm, you know, I'm bragging here, but I'm proud of it, is you can actually connect this back into Google and Facebook. So if you are doing SEO, if you are doing ad campaigns, mm-hmm. you can track not just the traffic, but you can track all the way through to revenue like you could if you were an e-commerce business. Oh, that's really cool. In fact, I was going to ask you um, how your your tool helps people with funnels. You know, everybody talks about funnels these days. Um, and I, I'm wondering, are you sort of facilitating uh, the, the the data so that they can see clearly how things are moving, the email, are you connecting that whole thing or do you rely on other tools to get that done? Well, it depends kind of on how sophisticated people are. So a lot of folks are using spreadsheets or real simple CRMs without good analytics right now. And so yeah. in some cases, my tool is like the first thing that they can see easily, like how many people are hitting their website, mm-hmm. which is not not necessarily a good place and not what I recommend, yeah. but at least it's like there's a certain minimum level that you're now going to know. Yeah. And so within Mimarin, there's a dashboard that tracks, you know, how many visitors did you get? What conversion percentage did you get to leads? Mm-hmm. How many of those, uh, how many conversations did you have? What's your status of your proposal pipeline, right? Your drafts, mm-hmm. uh, things that are in collaboration, won and lost, and you can track that over time. Mm-hmm. 
And then, like I said, you can plug all this back in, say, to Google Analytics, which is kind of what I would recommend is you should be using this to track not just what's happening in your CRM, but what's happening before people even get to your website, right? So you know where they're coming from and what's really working to drive traffic. Mm -hmm. You know, as culture changes, you know, a lot of sales teams, I've heard many times that salespeople don't like to enter data into into CRMs. They want to just go sell. They don't like the data management stuff. Um, How do you think people who are entrepreneurs or salespeople, how do you think they need to change their, what shifts do they have to make to really understand the power of CRMs? Well, I think one thing is most CRMs are built for the VP of sales Mm -hmm. because that's the customer. And the VP of sales wants a dashboard that shows everything, which requires people entering a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. right? My CRM is not built for the VP of sales. Very few of my customers even have a VP of sales, ah. um, right? It's built for somebody who wants to sell and wants to do it in a minimum amount of time. But you have to have some data in there to see what's working and what isn't, right? What have you won? What have you lost? And so on. Mm-hmm. And I, I've tried as best I can to take as many clicks out as possible. So, for example, a traditional CRM, even if you've got the lead in there, can you make a dial directly from your phone and or from your computer when you're sitting there? Mm-hmm. After you make the dial, do you, how many clicks does it take to say when you should call them back the next time? Um, if you're creating a proposal, do you have to hunt through a bunch of folders on your desktop to find out where the template is with the right language that you want? Or can you just go do that? Mm-hmm. Now, the one place where you do have to enter data in Mimarin is when you have a conversation and you want to take notes on it. Got it. And so this is the piece that some people struggle with it because it's kind of a discipline issue. Mm-hmm. But you know, one of the advantages of me getting old and losing my memory is <laughs> I know that I can't rely on my memory. Mm-hmm. Right. I used mm-hmm. to like have a great conversation and be like, Oh, this is so clear. And then you go to write a proposal a week later and you're kind of scratching your head. Like what exactly did they say, was that this prospect or was that the other one? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really important that you know some of the key phrases that that person used. And so in my tool, you, you enter those notes in and I like to kind of annotate them with, I literally put P colon and then I put here's where the prospect is describing their main problem. Mm-hmm. And so when I go to create the proposal, I click on a little icon in there. It brings up my notes. I can put P colon in the search box and boom, here's all the problem statements that the prospect gave me during our conversations. Mm-hmm. So it's now really easy for me to formulate a super tailored proposal nice. that it directly addresses their problem. Same thing with what they want to see in the solution and so on. And so I think the key for me is I get great ROI out of entering that data. Yes. Right. Because it saves me so much time and stress and increases my close rate and and makes the projects go better and so on. It's not just busy work. Yeah. And, and, and with, with a, a a background like yours where you actually have proposal writing software integrated inside a customer relationship management world, that's unique as heck. Um, in, in fact, one of the things I was going to ask you, because we talked earlier, um, you said that, um, there's this balance between referrals, uh, versus new leads, you know, how do you sort of, how would you teach people who maybe right now all their business is word of mouth <laughs> right? and they're feeling bad about that? Or, you know, how do you teach people about that delicate importance, um, that balance of new leads plus referrals and how do they work together? Sure. Well, and I hear from people all the time, no one in this industry buys except by referral mm-hmm. and that's fine. 
right? And, and I'm not even going to argue with your hypothesis. If you're that committed to it, I don't want to argue with you. But what I will say is this, whenever somebody makes a referral, that person goes and checks out your website. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing they do. And based on that impression, they're going to have a meeting with you or not. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a black or white thing, right? Sales isn't about batting a thousand, but you can definitely change the odds and play the percentages in your favor by having a website that speaks well to that uh person who's referred by your friend or client or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the stronger you make that loop, the more appealing it is to people who are not getting referred. Mm. Right. And then the more you work on that and you learn from say your Google analytics or whatever else it is, people coming in organically, the more you can have good messaging to help you get more referrals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is another area where I'm, I'm a tinkerer mm-hmm. and I was trying to figure out why can't I track referral revenue in my CRM easily. Mm. And I know like if you take Salesforce, you can customize it and you can do it. But I'm like, why is this hard? Mm-hmm. So that weekend I went into memory and I said, okay, every contact is going to have a referred by field. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a report that automatically generates that shows me which partners are generating how much revenue. Nice. Right. It's like, why is this hard? Let's make this really easy. And then you can also see some people might be referred, but then they're going to go to the website and they're going to get a lead magnet. Mm-hmm. And so those things often work together and you don't necessarily have to pick one or the other. Mm-hmm. No, I think, I think the real magic is I can just hear, hear and see your enthusiasm um, for, for this topic. It's like, uh, wh- which client wouldn't want to have the CEO be so passionate <laughs> about your topic? I love it. <laughs> well, it's like I struggled with this for so long uh-huh. and I did so many stupid things <laughs> that cost me a lot of money and a lot of hair and a lot of like, you know, just it, I, I, and and it, I think one of the comforting things for me in some ways was realizing that it wasn't that I was uniquely stupid or clueless, <laughs> right? I was not alone. These are actually common problems are, people yeah, have. Yeah. And there are ways to solve them. You know, on, on that note, do you have a favorite fun story maybe of uh, how you maybe worked with a specific client and, you know, took them through some of the maybe the, the wrong methods of doing this or the wrong beliefs and brought them to a place where they were able to use your tool and create real results? You know, there's a bunch of stories, but but one that comes to mind is I have a, a customer who's a, a runs an HR consulting firm. Mm-hmm. And does great work, really interesting stories. I mean, if you want to hear some interesting, entertaining stories, talk yeah. to an HR consultant who gets called in when things go to hell. I used to be, I used to be an HR VP. I get it. It's the word, it's the oh right. Oh my place. gosh. <laughs> so you know exactly the kind of stories that I'm yes, talking about. Yes. Uh, and, and so they did great work and the clients love them and so on, but they kind of hit a plateau. Mm. And, uh, one of the things that I realized was they were, delivering tremendous value, but they weren't necessarily differentiating themselves and, and pricing appropriately for it. Mm-hmm. And so we got them automating their proposals, enforcing kind of good limits on on how low they were willing to price. Mm-hmm. And they went from, I won't disclose the real numbers, but they basically cut their proposal creation and close cycle time by two thirds mm-hmm. and they doubled their business in a year. Wow. And it was just that they, they had a bottleneck of actually like creating and closing deals at the end of the funnel. Mm -hmm, And that mm -hmm. bottleneck went away. And also some of the fear around pricing went away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so not only does that help with, you know, raising your rates and so on, but it's almost like, uh, 
clients or prospects can smell that nervousness or uncertainty in the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you're like apologizing for, hey, I'm expecting money for this tremendous value that I'm delivering to you, mm-hmm. that's going to be hard, right? It's, it's going to raise doubts in the client's mind where they may not have even had doubts before, but they're like, I think you have doubts. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so what, what, how do you prepare, you know, um, anyone who might be listening right now who has heard of this thing called a website, <laughs> right? <laughs> but doesn't have one or maybe has never done an email campaign before. How do you prepare people to begin to take this journey toward a CRM or your CRM in particular? How do you, what do they need to do to get ready for what that means? You know, it's funny because I was just having this conversation with a new customer yesterday and they've got a website with tons of information, way too much information, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not doing anything for them lead gen wise. And so we're working on changing that. But I think that the thing that I would say is when I started, I thought the website was all about me and my firm and us looking awesome. And that's completely the wrong thing, Uh, right? It's about them. It's about their journey, their story. What do they care about? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I said earlier, like teach, don't market. Mm-hmm. If you're talking to a friend about whatever it is that you're good at, right? If you're telling a friend how to record some music, you're not out there to prove how smart you are. You're there to help your friend record their music. That's right. And we got to take the same approach with our website and just make it about as much as possible about the prospect, about their problems, about the solutions that that, that they offer. Mm-hmm. And I think there's all this mental head trash that we have about what a website should consist of because we look at ibm.com or whatever the I'm picking on IBM all over the place yeah. here. Sorry, <laughs> IBM. It, it's not personal. It's not personal. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just like they, they, we think of these big companies uh-huh. and what their websites look like. And they're, they're kind of different beasts. We're there to, to get a relationship with a prospect. We need to, to bring them into our world. We need to do that by telling their story. Mm. You, you know, know I, What'd you say? What were you going to say? Well, one of my mantras is a proposal is a story, not a brochure. And the hero of the story is the customer, not the seller. And the same thing actually applies to the website, Mm -hmm. right? A website is about telling a story as well. And it's got to be the prospect story, not your story. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, that I I was actually going to say exactly what you said about the whole story thing. You know, we're both story guys. In fact, if you look back there, that's one of my books is called The Story of You. (laughs) So we're both like, you know, on this thing. In fact, I love how you position the fact that the hero of the story is your customer, not you. Um, Because a lot of people, when they hear that marketing works very well with storytelling. So just tell people a story. So then they go, oh, really? I can do that. I was born in 20. (laughs) Here's what I did when I, it's not about you, right? It's about the story that your customer is experiencing, right? If you can jump into it and make them the hero, everything works. I love that. So tell us what success looks like. So we, we know kind of what they have to do to get ready to do this journey of becoming better at CRM. We know that using CRMs like yours will help position a better relationship with big ticket clients. What does success look like um, day to day for someone who's really nailing it? Well, I think it's, are you doing your your highest value work for your best clients, Mm. right? If you're doing that, you're living a great life and you're helping people to the maximum extent that you can. Mm-hmm. And you're hopefully also making a great living. And I think from the sort of sales and marketing side, you're feeling like you're a little bit in control of things, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to, oh my gosh, I'm panicking. I'm in the famine mode. 
please somebody refer me something. What do I do? (laughs) Right. You're in control. You're not in complete control. You can't force anyone to buy right now, but you have a pipeline that you know you're not going to starve in the, in the, and have this big dip on the the feast or famine roller coaster. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I love how you talked about the, uh, it's not about just those who buy now. You, you, you're probably aware of Chet Holmes who talks about the fact that only 3% are willing to buy right now, right? And then you've got, what, 67% of the people who could have been convinced if you had a strategy to follow up with them. And and of course, CRM is a way to do that. And Mimiran does stuff like that. So tell us a little bit about um, sort of any maybe nuggets of wisdom that you may have for people who are listening and they're going, yeah, you know, I really love CRM. I love this guy's product. <laughs> what What do I need to do to like, you know, um, to, to be successful in this area? And how do I contact you? Sure. Well, you can find me at mimarin.com, M-I-M-I-R-A-N.com. I'm sure there'll be a link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. You can also find my Sales for Nerds podcast at salesfornerds.io. Mm-hmm. Um, you can contact me at ruben at mimarin.com. And, you know, really, if you want to get started with this kind of thing, the thing that I challenge people to do is Go in, sign up for a free trial of Memory, and there's my big pitch. Yes. Take, take your existing LinkedIn network or whatever contacts you have. They're not necessarily prospects. Some of them might be, but they're people that you care about that you don't talk to. Load them up into my tool and start calling them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a script in there that'll help you if you're like, I don't know what to say. That sounds really weird. Trust me, this is a life-changing thing mm-hmm. that will make your business better. It will make your life better. And the thing that I always say is, People are like, oh, I got to go make some sales calls. I got to find more clients. It's real awkward. I'm like, well, have you called the people you actually love yeah. and care about and like want to talk to? When yeah. was the last time you talked to some of these people? Oh, three years ago. Yeah. Call them, right? Like I was, and I, and I understand because I'm, I'm an introvert. I hated picking up the phone. And I, mm-hmm. before I started doing this, I thought people are going to be irritated. I have not had anyone say, you jackass, why did you call me? I've had so <laughs> many people say, I am so glad you called. It's so great to catch up. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely been great for business, but it's also just been great for life. Mm-hmm. No, you know, um, I, have, uh, I, have, I have long really admired the idea that in sales, you shouldn't always worry about results. You should worry about activities. Just keep on doing the activities that you're supposed to be doing. And that sort of alleviates the fear and the problem. Um, but what I love about your tool and the way you're describing it is that it gives you visibility into those activities. So you really sort of can see where you are and, and it, it helps support you in your teaching versus selling. Is that correct? That's absolutely right. And one of the things that I think is interesting, it's like people kind of have some positioning at a 50,000 foot view, mm-hmm. but they're having trouble really getting the the right message. Mm-hmm. And so this is another area, you know, I talked about being diligent about taking notes in your conversation. So when you create a proposal, you've got the information that's really important, mm-hmm. but it's also important to look at this at the macro level and say, you know, I've just talked to a hundred people. What kind of problems do they describe a lot? How often did it come up that they talk about X, Y, Z? How often did it come up that they talk about this other thing? And if you're doing a good job of taking notes, you're going to start seeing the key messages and phrases and issues that your market, your audience struggles with and what they're going to tell you kind of what they want to see the results be. Mm -hmm. And so this makes your calling easier. It makes your website much easier to create in a mm-hmm. compelling way and so on and so forth. And not just for the individual, but at that macro level. 
Wow. Wow. Well, Ruben, you know, we obviously could keep talking about this stuff. I mean, literally, you are a wealth of information and your passion just shines through. <laughs> so well, if you could repeat one more time, uh, the best place for people to find you. And uh, uh, th- that'll be just probably a good a good way to wrap up. Sure. Just uh, shoot me an email at Ruben at Mimran.com, R-E-U-B-E-N at M-I-M-I-R-A-N.com. All right. Ruben, it's been a pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you so much. Thanks. I can't wait to reciprocate with a bottle of wine on Sales for Nerds. (laughs) All right. We'll do that. Thanks for tuning in to the Big Ticket Clients Podcast. For more episodes and strategies, visit BigTicketClients.com. That's www.BigTicketClients.com. And remember, you can't catch a whale with a worm.